Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. I'd like for us to continue in our Yeshua, Son of David, exploring Matthew's Gospel today as we continue in these lessons. And today we'll be in Lesson 21, and we will be talking about Yeshua as the Welcomer. The Welcomer. Continuing through Matthew's Gospel, we now see how and when Jesus chooses a sinful man named Matthew, also called Levi, to become one of his disciples and what that meant for him and for someone else who also was welcomed by the Lord. The three synoptic Gospels all testify of the calling of Matthew and the authenticity and veracity of it unless we would think that Matthew might have embellished his own story here in his gospel. John, Mark, and Luke both agree and verify that Matthew, who also was known as Levi, was specifically chosen by the Lord and how that changed him, allowing him to fulfill his calling, including to write this gospel for the world and specifically to the Jewish people, so that they would understand and come to know the Messiah of old, the son of David, Yeshua. I would like for us to read in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to go just a few verses, but I believe you'll be blessed by today's lesson. In Matthew chapter 9, we will read verses 9 through 13. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Matthew testifies here of his own calling to follow Jesus. It's confirmed by both Mark and Luke. Let's look at those in Mark chapter 2, and I want to read verse 13 through 17. Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then let's read Luke's account in Luke chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 27. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, 
follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Shortly after Jesus had healed the paralytic, proving, as we looked at in the last lesson, that he is the Son of Man and able to both heal and forgive sins, now Jesus is going to focus more on the forgiveness of sins by calling and choosing Matthew, also named Levi, the son of Alphaeus. We've talked more about who Matthew was in the first part of this series, as well as in another episode I've done called The Ark Bearers, focusing on the four gospel writers. He was a tax collector, which meant he was despised by the Jews. He was a betrayer of the Jewish people. He was hated by the Jews because of his choice of occupation and familiarity, perhaps even allegiance, with Rome. He sided with Rome and became an employee of the state of this government, betraying his own people by becoming a representative of the hated Roman government. I want to just make this note of his name. He is also known as Levi, not just Matthew. Generally, Levi would have been the name associated with a Levite, a descendant from the tribe of Levi. I do not know if that's this Levi, this Matthew or not, but if it is, he may have been very well versed in Old Testament law. He may have even been originally trained and prepared and raised to serve in some official Levitical or religious capacity. We do not know, but at least the name would suggest the possibility to me. He may be most well known to us as Matthew. Perhaps he preferred Matthew. Perhaps he was known because of his sinfulness as Matthew, rather than the Levi name, which might have been associated with the more religious, Judaistic, those who give allegiance to the Jewish people, not a betrayer of the Jews. He may have been known as Matthew to display the beauty of God's forgiveness of sins and the new creation through faith in Jesus Christ that he will find as the Lord calls him. Matthew received the same call as all of the other disciples who were fishermen, and they received the same call. James and John, Peter and Andrew, all of these, Matthew received the same call, follow me. In other words, I want you, Matthew, to be a part of my school. I want you to become one of my Talmudim. We talked about the Talmudim and Jesus being the great rabbi in an earlier lesson. Become my student. Take me as your rabbi. As the rabbi, I'm choosing you. I want you to live with me and learn of me and become my disciple. So Matthew joined with the other disciples who had already been chosen thus far. Soon we will see that Jesus chooses a whole list of 12 
given by name to us in the word. Matthew left all, the Bible tells us. He left everything to follow Jesus. He had a very lucrative position. He had a very prestigious position. And yet when the call came to him, Matthew left all, rose up, and followed Jesus. He accepted Jesus' invitation and called. It wasn't for money. It wasn't for fame. But Matthew recognized Jesus as the rabbi, as the Lord, and he accepted the invite to come and become part of Jesus' disciples. Perhaps he was so very grateful that Jesus would even consider him. He knew he was hated and a traitor to his people. He was well aware of his own sinfulness, his own betrayal, his own disgust. Yet Jesus specifically calls him personally, individually, for him to follow Jesus. Jesus wanted him when no other Jew wanted him. When all the other Jews hated him, Jesus loved him. Matthew throws Jesus a dinner party in honor of the Lord. And note that many sinners and tax collectors come. Matthew may have only had friends among sinners and tax collectors to invite to come. Remember, he was hated by the Jews. Nobody else may have wanted to have anything to do with him. Even Jesus' other disciples may not have liked it at first. So many sinners and tax collectors come and join Matthew at his house for this dinner party with Jesus and his disciples. There's a problem. The scribes and the Pharisees show up, and they get wind of it. And so they begin to accuse the disciples. Why is your teacher, your rabbi, the one you are under and are training to be like, why does he sit and eat with the wrong kind of people? These were raised in the bad part of town. These are the lowly. These are the hated. These are the traitors. These are the sinners among all of us who are so holy. Those we don't consider worthy of any good news. Those we would never have anything to do with. Those we consider dumb and undesirable completely. All these wicked sinners, the scum of the earth. Why in the world is your rabbi? having anything to do with them. Oh, beloved friend, Jesus has got the answer. Jesus hears their accusations and their prejudice and hatred in their heart. And he responds firmly and abruptly, but in truth and love. He basically says, those who are sick don't go to a doctor. They don't need them. It's only those who are sick that realize that they need a doctor. Those who don't recognize their own sickness won't go to the doctor to be examined and get healed. So what Jesus is telling them here is that this is an evaluation. This is an evaluation of the heart of the matter for the scribes and the Pharisees. He gets right to the heart and he tells them, you think you don't need a doctor. But these people, they know they need a doctor. They know they're a sinner. You think you're so high and mighty. You think you're so holy. You won't come and receive me because you don't think you need me. But they recognize full well 
that they need to be healed. So this was an evaluation to the scribes and the Pharisees of their own heart. Then Jesus doesn't just stop there. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't brush them off. Next, he offers them the solution, which could even include their salvation if they would accept it. Later on in the scriptures, we find out it, it did apply to some Pharisees and scribes and Jewish leaders. Think of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea and others in the book of Acts that come to know Jesus. First, in this encounter, Jesus directs them to their own scriptures. In essence, he says, you're so well versed in God's law. Go back and study this passage again and come and tell me what does it mean? What is God really saying here? What is God's heart? So he directs them to the book of Hosea in the Hebrew scriptures, their own prophet. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, it says this, For I, God is speaking here, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. In other words, God is saying here, he's expressing his heart. Burnt offerings and stale religious duty mean nothing to me. That is not what I'm desiring. That's not what I'm after. The psalmist said in one place, he wants truth in the inward parts, down inside. He wants it to mean something. He wants it to be real from inside of us. God wants the inner beauties of right relationship with him. He wants a right heart inside of the person that concurs with his own heart. So God is saying here, the weightier matters, the things that matter most to me are mercy and the knowledge of God. Jesus called these in another place, the weightier matters of the law. In Matthew chapter 23, in verse 23, it says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, meaning the tithing and so forth, without leaving the others undone. So Jesus is comparing tithing in a religious form, just religious duty of making sure you give your 10% of produce or income. And he says, yes, you should tithe. But your problem is you're neglecting the weightier matters from God's perspective, justice and mercy and faith. God's heart's desire is mercy, care and compassion for all others, willing to love and accept them, willing to share the truth with them and bring them to be saved. It's much more than religious duty of church attendance and tithing and reading your Bible every day and keeping some kind of rules and regulations. He says, no, it's much more than that. I want your love. I want your mercy. I want you to know me personally. I want you to be in right relationship with me, honoring me, seeking me. That's what God is saying. And he's saying that these far outweigh the meaningless religious duty of keeping of the law to the teeth or some form of legalism without the heart being true to God and in concord with his will and his desires. Another prophecy speaks of how he despises 
the meaningless burnt offerings, the sacrifices, and religious services when they mean nothing and are only done out of some legalism. In saying these words to the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus also points them to Micah, another one of the Hebrew prophets. Micah chapter 6. I want to read verse 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oils? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Here's the answer. Verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah confirms and establishes the truth, the same truth that Hosea 6 just prophesied about. God cares more about the weightier matters than the rules and legalistic keeping of some law. He gets to the heart of the matter, always. Jesus always went straight to the heart. After reminding these, these scribes and Pharisees of the truth of God's word and how it applies in this matter to them and to their problem, he now explains his purpose, including offering the invitation for them as well as for all. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. Notice. Even in this discussion, even in what Jesus is saying, he's making them or trying to make them recognize that they are sinful people in themselves and they need Dr. Jesus, so to speak. They need to be saved just as bad as any of these tax collectors and sinners that they were looking down on and that they were despising. Jesus came to call all sinners to repentance. He proves it here in this example, as well as in one other one from the word that I want us to, to think about. And I want to direct us to, it's found in John chapter 4. For the sake of time, I won't read it. But we know the story, and I encourage you to go back and read it. There was a woman in Samaria, and she was a sinful woman. And Jesus was going on a journey. And the Bible tells us he needed to go through Samaria. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God was leading him through Samaria because there was a stop there that he had to make. There was a divine appointment there that God wanted because there was a woman there in that town that was a sinner and she needed to be saved. She needed to have a visit from the Savior. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews just like the tax collectors and sinners were. They were avoided. That town was full of outcasts as far as the Jews were concerned. Yet Jesus wanted to go there. Jesus wanted to go and meet her. He wanted to bring salvation to her. He wanted to bring deliverance to her. And she became an evangelist right then and there and told many other people. And many people got saved in that town that no one else would go to that town full of people that were hated and were outcast. Yet Jesus came to them because he had a mission. He came to save sinners and to bring them to repentance. 
These two examples prove to us his primary mission. He came to save sinners, forgive their sin, and make them brand new. All three gospel writers attest to Jesus' declaration of his mission and his purpose, and it is confirmed by the New Testament writers as well, the apostles and those that were believers in him, and all those that wrote the New Testament. Jesus' mission and purpose has never changed. Even to this day, Jesus came to save the lost. Jesus came to save sinners. I want us to read a few things as we draw to a close here from the New Testament that prove this as well. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul writes these words. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus, the Messiah Yeshua, came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Jesus came to save the lost. We find the prophets of old in the Hebrew scriptures agreeing. Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, and Isaiah chapter 53 speaks of the suffering servant, the servant of the Lord, the one who is sent, God's own son, the Messiah, who would suffer and die for our sin because he wanted to save sinners and redeem us back to God. In the book of Acts, we read this on many occasions where Peter also preached this same gospel message, this same proof about Jesus coming to save sinners on several occasions. And then we come to Acts chapter 17. I want to begin reading in verse 22, and I want us to see the apostle Paul preaching boldly this same truth. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men or all people everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So Paul also says, Jesus came and has commanded all to repent and be saved. Jesus came to save sinners. God has established through the mouth of all of these witnesses that Jesus came to call 
people to him and to save sinners for them to repent and believe. This same call still goes out today. It hasn't changed. This is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's an invitation to all for them, for all, for all to come and repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And we have Jesus' promise given to us in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, I want to read verse 32 through 40. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus came to forgive sinners, all sinners, whether they are high up and legalistic and think they're so holy and good and they're not or whether they're the lowliest and hated of the earth jesus will welcome all who will come to him in sincere repentance and faith no matter the sin no matter the background no matter the length of time jesus still saves and welcomes all who will come to him and when one will come to him and repent of their sins and ask his forgiveness, seeking him and asking him to be their Lord and Savior, he will make them a brand new creation in him, giving them new life and a changed and free heart. Would you come to him today? He still comes and calls even you today as well. I pray this has been a blessing to you today. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of our Matthew study, Yeshua, Son of David, Exploring Matthew's Gospel. May God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.